in the battle of the worldviews, what makes sense? Does the biblical worldview hold up to scientific records, to historical records, and what happens if we don't take the biblical worldview? Find out on this episode of Wonders Without Number. James Gardner with Canopy Ministries is here to share some information with us. James, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It is great to have you in studio with us today. Now tell me just a little bit about your ministry and how you've been able to work with all of these people over the years and share this information. Well, the, the ministry was founded in 1993, uh, back uh, when Ken Ham was still with the Institute for Creation Research. Actually met Ken Ham uh, in the late 80s, and his ministry and ICR's ministry had a great impact on my wife and I because of some personal tragedies that we had in our lives and the subsequent answering, asking the question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Mm. Ken did that in a great book called Evolution, The Lie, which is now in an updated version. And so it's, uh, it, it's something that made a very big difference in my life personally. Well, you know, a lot of people do have questions because we all at some point have seen, have seen tragedy. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen sickness or disease or death and many times people stop and they wonder why. And if you don't have the foundation, if you don't know how to go back to the beginning to figure out why, then all of a sudden it becomes really easy to blame God, doesn't it? Exactly. And unfortunately, that's partially what I did when we had those tragedies. The difference between my wife and I was she asked the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? Uh. And in trying to find those answers, starting to dig into this whole issue of creation evolution, can you really trust the Bible beginning with the very first verse? Is it really broken because of what Adam did? Is it going to be restored? as the Lord promised to do when He recreates the heavens and the earth. All of those are really important questions. They were for me anyway. Absolutely. Well, okay, so I think one of the most important designations, the choices that we have to make, is if we go with this evolutionary assumption, with this atheistic assumption, that everything has come about as the means of naturalism, that we are no more than accidents. Well then what's the grand purpose in life anyway? And the idea of naturalism has really had a great impact, not, not a great impact, I'm talking about a massive impact on society, not in a good way. So ideas have consequences. They do. And one of the things that I've tried to do over the years in speaking in churches is talk about this idea of consequences that come from the two worldviews. They were always quick to talk about the uh, science. Does the science prove this or prove that? Right. When really, from a much more practical level, mm -hmm. we have to answer the question, what are the consequences that come mm. from believing in one worldview or another? The Bible says that through the inspired writer, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more 
under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Hmm. And in studying that passage, I started asking the question, what, what are these two paths? Where do they lead in the end? I mean, what, what comes from the two paths? And of course, God himself answers that question just a few chapters further down in Proverbs, where he says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, mm. I think most people who at least have a cursory belief in the Bible would agree that when God says something, we need to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But when God says it twice, and just a couple of chapters later, he says it again. He says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, mm -hmm. Today, unfortunately, the way that seems right to most people is what we simply call, or what I call, evolutionary humanism. Mm. Now, I know speakers use big words, and, and I like to, for myself in particular, define these words. And so you break these two words apart. What is humanism? Mm -hmm. Well, humanism simply is about me. Okay. I am the center of the universe. It's what I want, it's what I need, it's what I care about. I'm the center of everything. Evolution, on the other hand, needs to actually be defined. Let's talk about evolution for a second, because if we were to look at a, say, a high school textbook on biology, we would see different um, examples of dogs. And they'll say, well, they, they have adapted, they have changed, they have evolved. What yes, you they say do. That? They do say that. But what they are talking about is not vertical evolution. Okay. They are talking about horizontal variation within a kind. Uh. We see that all over the place. God programmed into the DNA of each created pair right at the beginning all these different genes that could express themselves in many different ways when they were born. That is variation within a kind, horizontally. Mm -hmm. We're talking about vertical evolution from particles to people. Which has never been observed. It's never been observed because, in fact, in order for evolution of one kind into another kind, it requires the addition of genetic information okay. to the DNA. And that requires an outside intelligence. Can a human manipulate DNA and inject genes? Oh yeah, yeah. we're starting to do that now. But that's an outside intelligence hmm. injecting that information. What they want you to believe, what they are teaching in the public education system is that it happened by itself. Okay. In and of itself, that has never been observed. But really, this idea of humanism, evolution, has been the way that it's been propagated because you can't be a secular humanist unless you have a, a reason to think that you are the highest power there is. Right, and, and you have to be able to dismiss God mm. and pretend like he doesn't exist. And, and so what they're really teaching is they're teaching that man is the top of the food chain, uh. that man determines truth and what truth is, and so what they're really teaching is that man is the God in control of their own life. What most people don't understand when it comes to consequences is that the consequences that come from your worldview affect not just you, but they affect your family, your school, your community. They affect the country that we live in. Let me give you an idea about this whole thing. Ideas have consequences. Now, most people will recognize who this person is. Yes. Obviously, Adolf Hitler. What they may not know about Hitler is that he believed Darwinian biological evolution hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. He believed that the Aryan race was superior. And so that's why he had no problem with 
killing millions of gypsies, Jews, and blacks. He thought we, that, that we all evolved from some common ape-like ancestor. Mm. Therefore, the reasoning goes, the next logical step, mm -hmm. some of us are further along that evolutionary line than others, mm -hmm. and that makes us superior. Wow. And of course, it's a lie. But, and that was only taking Darwin's ideas to their logical conclusion. That's exactly right. And so you start killing millions of gypsies, Jews, and blacks, it was no problem at all. He didn't see a problem with it because he believed that he was purging the Aryan race, the perfect race, mm -hmm. as it were, from all of these inferior people. So when you look at that, what you're really doing is you're talking about two different worldviews. And I love these blocks that Answers in Genesis put together years mm. ago. What you really have is evolution is based on man's opinion. Mm. And what your worldview does is it affects every decision you make every day of your life. Mm. And so man's opinion results in people doing all kinds of terrible things, school violence, lawless behavior, homosexual behavior, pornography. We could stack blocks all the way through the ceiling all day long. The other hand, God's Word teaches that God created everything. And out of God's Word comes the laws that we live our lives by, comes the definition of marriage. For instance, I like to point out very simply, marriage is an institution of God. Yeah. He defined it as one man for one woman for life. Mm -hmm. And he's never repealed that law. <laughs> and so it still applies today in spite of what the people who make the laws and determine the laws in our country want to say it means. We get the standards by which we live our life. We get the very meaning of life itself. Now, I just want to make a comment here that there was a guy named Jim Black who wrote 30, 40 years ago a book called When Nations Die. Hmm. And in the research for that book, he found that all it takes is a couple of things on this list. I'll show you the list. All it takes is a couple to bring a culture crashing down. The first on the list was an increase in lawlessness. Okay. The second was a loss of economic discipline. Look at these as we go down the list and think about our country. Hmm. The rising bureaucracy, especially government red tape. Another one was the decline or the dumbing down of the educational standard. Wow. Yet another one was a weakening of cultural foundations. Another was the loss of respect for traditions. Hmm. Traditions, of course, is the way we pass values on to the next generation. An increase in material, materialism was yet another one. Mm -hmm. And another one was the rise in immorality, especially the homosexual form of immorality, a decay of religious belief, and finally, the devaluing of human life. And this was studying prior cultures who right. rose to great power and then fell. And then what brought them down? And he indeed found that two of them were what brought down the mighty Roman Empire. Hmm. He also found out something else, and that was that for the first time in history, all 10 of them were present in the same culture at the same time. And of course, that is these United States that we love. Yes. Now, a lot of people ask, how did this happen? How have we allowed this to happen? And I have a simple answer for that. It is because we have allowed the secular humanist to define the debate. You see, each person is free to choose whichever one of these two worldviews you want to believe. Nobody's standing with a gun to your head mm -hmm. saying you have to believe in one of the, at least not in this country right. not yet. Right. But you're not free of the consequences that come with the choice. Mm. And I mentioned earlier, when you make that choice, 
the choice affects not only you, but it affects the culture, it affects the country that we live in. You see, it's happened because we have let the secular humanists define the debate. How have they done that? We've let them say that evolution is science, mm -hmm. but creation is religion. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries' Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreeves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. What you're saying is that when we look at laws, like the laws of nature, we could say the law, second law of thermodynamics, we could look at uh, gravity, we could look at there are moral truths, moral laws in place as well from a biblical foundation. Yes, very clearly there are. And I can tell you when you look at history, if you follow those moral laws that God has given us, life goes a whole lot easier <laughs> than it does when you violate or ignore those laws. Mm -hmm. And of course these secular humanists say, well, you want to believe that biblical stuff, that religious stuff, go ahead. Keep it in the four walls of your churches. Yep. But don't you dare bring it out here mm -hmm. to the public arena or the public education system because mm -hmm. we teach real science. Well, I like to ask the question when I'm teaching, what is science? Of course, mm -hmm. it's a noun. And there's a couple of classic definitions of science. One is a branch of knowledge or study dealing with a body of facts that is systematically arranged and showing the operation of general laws of science like mm -hmm. thermodynamics, gravity, mm -hmm. so forth. The second one is the systematic knowledge of the physical or material world that has been gained through observation and experimentation. And when you ask the question, does evolution-based thinking, is it based on a body of facts and is it systematically arranged? And does it show the operation of the general laws of science? And the answer is absolutely not. Especially through observation and experimentation. It seems to be so lacking within the scientific community because it has simply been accepted that evolution took place. And they say, well, why do we need to observe that? Why do we, why do we even need to uh, experiment? We just know this is the way it took place. And when you show them any facts of science to the contrary, well, they simply shrug. Well, well, we just don't understand that quite yet. Give it enough time. That's exactly right. They just, hey, just take my word for it. I'm the guy with the PhD in the white lab coat. You don't know what you're talking about. Just trust me, it's true. And of course, it's not true. Uh, just take, for instance, the, the Grand Canyon, for instance. I, I have been out there many, many times um, looking at it and, and trying to process it using the scientific method. Mm -hmm. What is the scientific method? Well, in order to be 
science, empirical science, it has to be observable. It starts with observation. Secondly, it must be testable. You've got to be able to test it. Thirdly, it must be repeatable or falsifiable. Okay. And of course, you look at the evolutionary idea, their worldview, nobody's ever seen it happen. They certainly can't figure out a way to test it, mm. see if it will work. And finally, it's not happened in the past. They can't repeat it. So let's talk about, let's break it down even more specifically. Yeah, we're talking about evolution broadly, but let's think about the origin of life. Uh, it must be observable, okay? We have never seen life burst into existence from non-life ever in the past through all of our studies and experimentation. It must be testable. We have tried to create life in the lab and Absolutely. failed miserably millions of times. It must be repeatable. Well, if you can't get it to happen once, then it's certainly not going to be repeatable. Right. So what you're saying is that the basic origin of life from an evolution, from a Darwinian evolution standpoint, from a universal common descent, molecules to man standpoint, fails all three of the main right. prerequisites for the scientific right. method. And of course, we're talking about observable science here. We're talking about empirical science. So what do they do? They drop back on this idea of historical science. Okay. Millions of years ago, this, 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 and this happened, so forth. And of course, Grand Canyon is an excellent example. It is one of their best proof texts, mm -hmm. if you would, of how evolution happened through all of these layers. Well, I've been to Grand Canyon <laughs> 18 or 19 times at least in the last 22 or three years. Wow. I've hiked down into the canyon multiple times. I have rafted down it a couple of times. And more recently, I have flown as a pilot over the Grand Canyon in a small single engine aircraft with a very good friend of mine in a flight of two filming a lot of this stuff. Now, one of the times, and I want to illustrate this difference of the two worldviews and how people look at stuff. One time I was hiking out of the Grand Canyon, coming out up the mm -hmm. Bright Angel Trail. I've been there. And as I came up and started up the switchbacks where the Coconino Sandstone sits down on the Supai Group, yeah. there was a man standing there. He looked to be in his 40s. He was talking to a young woman in her early 20s. And he had the, the fly fisherman's vest, the cargo shorts, the boots, the hat, <laughs> grizzled beard. Looked like an Indiana Jones kind of character, literally. And as I walked around him, my wife and my son were right behind me. Over my shoulder, I heard the guy say, and the Colorado River took millions of years to erode and downcut the canyon. Mm -hmm. And so I turned around, and under her breath, my wife said, don't you say a word. <laughs> and I couldn't help it because it's just what I've done. I could tell you stories of things that have happened out there mm -hmm. like this. And I asked him, I said, sir, I couldn't help but overhear what you said. How, did it, how do you think it formed? He looked down there at the bottom, and he said, well, it's obviously it took millions of years for the Colorado River to cut the canyon. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, really? He said, well, yeah, why? What do you think? And I said, what you want me to think is that little tiny bit of water at the bottom, over a whole lot of time, that's what cut the canyon. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. I think it was a whole lot of water over a little short period of time that cut the canyon. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you must be one of those creationists. <laughs> oh. And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. So there we went, you know, hours later, we're still going back and forth. Point is this, two different people, turns out he was a professor at, at the University of the South of Geology, mm. teaching one of his students. Two different people looking at the very same piece of evidence at the very same moment in time. One says it formed over millions of years. One said only thousands of years.
It really boils down to the worldview. He already believed in billions of years of evolution. Sure. I looked at the same piece of evidence already believing that God's word is true. Mm -hmm. And about 4,500 years ago, there was a huge catastrophic event called Noah's Flood. Two different people explaining how it formed from two different worldviews. And at least I would admit, yes, I have a bias. Absolutely. Everyone has a bias. Absolutely they do. But here's the difference. Whereas his bias was based not on anything that could be observed, repeated, tested. It was based simply on what he wanted to believe. We actually do have a historical record of how the earth was shaped, reshaped. And it all boils down to there was a very, very catastrophic global flood that literally reshaped the planet. We have the record. Yeah, and, and when you look at that record, you see, it, it says in the scripture that God created the heavens and the earth. And then about 1,656 years after that, the world, because Adam sinned, became so full of death and disease and violence that God finally said, that's it. I'm going to destroy man with the earth. Mm-hmm. Told Noah to build an ark. Noah obviously believed him because he built the ark. And only eight people and two of each kind of animals were saved through that flood. Now, when you look at the scripture, you know, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that he, God, can be clearly seen by the things he has made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And then comes the indictment so that they are without excuse. So I like to tell young people, you can live your whole life and ignore God, pretend he doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But one day you are going to step through that veil of death into eternity. You're not going to be able to throw up your hands and say, oh God, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were real. It's too late. You're done. And the truth is he's left his fingerprints all over this entire world, over the entire universe. Fingerprints of careful design, of complexity, of compassion, of love. And it really all boils down to the gospel, doesn't it? It, re- it really does. In the last moment, what would you say to our viewing audience? How would you conclude? Well, the idea that evolution is science, but creation is religion is completely a non-starter. They are both religions. Evolutionary humanism is a religious belief system. You can believe in it if you want. But there's consequences that come from that. And people ask me a lot of times, what's, what's going on in our country? I'll tell you what's going on. We are seeing the cumulative choices of millions of Americans choosing to believe in evolutionary humanism at the, at the top of the food chain. And now we're seeing the resu- result of their choices being acted out every day in our lives. I mean, school shootings, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm that 40, 50 years ago was unheard of in this country. We have chopped our biblical foundation, by the way, the foundation of truth, out from under us, and we've substituted man's foundation of evolutionary humanism, which is a lie. And that's why we see what's going on today in this country. That makes perfect sense. And it also tells us just how important it is to examine those things and to choose that path, as you started with in the beginning, that doesn't lead to ultimate eternal death and separation from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what's interesting? Just one final thought is that if you go up 
to an evolutionist and you ask them the question, what kind of world would you like to live in and raise your kids? And then you mention all of the school shootings, violent death, or the biblical world. None of them want to live in a world <laughs> that is full of death, disease, bloodshed, and violence as propounded by evolutionists, because according to evolution, death is a good thing. Right. It brings about change. Mm -hmm. No, death is not a good thing. It's a fallen, broken world. We've got the solution. We do. It's right here. Absolutely true. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll have to have you back on another program. Sounds great. I'd love to. I hope you've been encouraged and inspired by what you've learned today. Reach out to us with comments and questions, and we will see you again on Wonders Without Number. I'm David Reeves. Until next time, keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God.